Some of y'all know me, some of you don't. My name is Chris Plant. I struggled a little bit this week. I, I prepared this lesson. Um, Pastor Chris asked me a few weeks ago if I would uh, fill in for him so that him and Kendall could go on their honey or uh, their 20th anniversary that they missed because of life happenings. And so we shifted to this weekend. And he said, you could preach on whatever you want. And I said, Pastor Chris, I'm just going to try to stay continuing moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ as you were working through the book of Philippians and, and just stay within that vein. Um, and so I knew exactly what verses. I didn't have to come up with my own thing, right? I, kn- I knew where he was going to leave off and where I could pick up. But still, 2 o'clock this morning, God woke me up and he said, it ain't done. And so from 2 a.m. till about 4.30, I was making a mess all over my notes. Um, and so we'll see how it comes across this morning, but hopefully it'll be a blessing to you all. Uh, and, and it'll allow us to leave this place this morning for his good and his glory and that we may be edified in the process. Um, so a little background on me uh, that falls in line with this. I'm, I'm a retired Marine. I served over 20 years on active duty in the Marine Corps. I worked in and out of the special operations community. And, and because of that, um, after my second deployment, uh, I was a, uh, a, a corporal in the Marine Corps, got into the reconnaissance community. And I got to, because I got into the reconnaissance community, I got sent to what's called SEER schools, being a prisoner of war. We run around in the mountains. And we, we learn how to harvest different vegetables and edible plants and reclaim water um, and, and try to purify water ourselves by, you know, if, if we have some charcoal and various things just so we could survive the few days, knowing that we're going to get captured. Even if we make it to all the different landmarks throughout the mountains to get to the checkpoints for safety as we travel in two-person pairs, we're still going to get captured. We're still going to get detained. We're still going to get dragged in with burlap sacks on us, get tied up, thrown into a truck, jostled, you know, have our sleep messed with, be interrogated, be slapped around, be thrown against walls. And we know that's coming, but it doesn't change the impact that it emotionally has on you. And there are some people that didn't make it even through that training event. They mentally broke just from the stress, the not having sleep, the, the being detained, literally being shoved into a dog kennel, and that's where you slept. That's where you were uncomfortably bent over, and they would randomly pull you out and ask you questions and slap you around, hose you down with a hose, and it was freezing cold. And, and we went through all that, and we were detained, but then at the end, on the night of the ninth night of the 10 days of training, we were liberated, and we heard the national anthem, the, 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 the flag of this false country that was hanging above us in our prison camp came down, and the stars and stripes were raised, and the national anthem came across the same PA system that was playing this baby screaming and sounds of explosions and everything to, to just mess with our, our sleep schedules. We heard the national anthem in, in these grown men that were in the special operations and aviation and submarine community. Almost all of us were just bawling, weeping. The emotional, just, 
outpour of going from being detained and feeling captive to feeling like I'm an American again and I have all these freedoms that have been God-given to me that I haven't appreciated. And the worst part of my, my story with that is I wasn't a Christian at the time. I said I was a Christian because I said Jesus was who he said he was, and I thought that was good enough. I thought I had a, I, I thought I had a, a fire insurance policy, so to speak. But it wasn't until several years later that God broke my heart for his. And it wasn't until seven years ago that I wrote my first sermon. Seven years ago yesterday, I had a Facebook memory. Uh, from I had worked several weeks with the, the pastor I was studying under. Um, learning how to to read and study and unpack God's word and deliver. And I think it took me eight or nine weeks to write my first sermon because I didn't quite get it right. And he would explain to me different ways that I was still struggling with the text to ultimately deliver and unpack the word of God as God would have it intended by only using the word of God. So hopefully this morning as we spend time in Philippians 1, we will also be spending a little bit of time in uh, in Second Timothy, and I'll, I'll hit a couple of different chapters there in, in Paul's letter to, to Timothy. Um, but but ultimately, I wish that part of my testimony was I could have been a Christian encourager while I was in that detention environment. We're going to see today that Paul was a Christian encourager while he was in chains. But we're also going to see that through 2,000, 4,000 years before that, it's recorded throughout God's word that many times God has put people in a situation that they would have not chosen for themselves, but it had not been for God showing up that we wouldn't have the same testimony and book that we could read these days. So I'll give you a little bit of background. I know Chris has been working through this, but... Um, A couple things. Uh, I like history. Um, Philippi, where where this letter is written to, this epistle is written to, was established by Philip of Macedon. He was the father of Alexander the Great. And then the Romans, after they conquered that, they made Philippi a military uh, colony that ultimately had unique Roman citizenship qualities. If you were from... Philippi, you had the rights of a Roman citizen. And it was actually referred to as small Rome of Macedonia. And uh, currently, if you wanted to visit Philippi, it still exists, still gets a lot of tourism. Uh, it's near the, uh, the port town of Kavala, Greece. It's, it's about eight miles northwest of that. And, uh, and many people still travel there on different pilgrimages to, uh, to see how the gospel, the first way of Christ was exposed in Europe at that place. But because of Philippi having those unique citizenship qualities and because Philippi having those unique military strategic qualities, that influenced the language that Paul used in his letter to the Philippians to to make sure that they understood, speaking in the terms of the culture. The, the main theme of the epistle to Philippi is unity. Unity. I, I know that 
we've had that discussion here amongst the Bethel congregation at times too, right? Like how do we have unity amongst the brothers and sisters within the Bethel family? So what, what was happening you know, nearly 2,000 years ago, we're still dealing with some of it today. But the main word, in case you haven't paid attention as you've read through Philippians, is joy. Paul uses the, the phrase joy or rejoice 16 times in this very short letter. And, and so you're wondering, how, how does Paul write this letter from being in chains in Rome to a church, talking about unity, but keeps mentioning joy and rejoicing? You know, we sang the song just a little bit ago, When We All Get to Heaven, right? We're going to sing. We need to be singing right now. If Paul could sing from within chains, this needs to be a heavenly experience because, unfortunately, most of the people around us, this is the closest they're getting. We can't understand the good news unless we understand the bad news. But So, Acts 16 tells us some of the history of around AD 50. Uh, Paul first went on his... Uh, his travels and established the, the house churches there in Philippi. He visited next, uh, approximately five years later, along, five years later, along his journeys. Uh, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he spent five days there. So that would have been around AD 55. And here we are, Acts 21, we have Paul prophesying that he would be going to Jerusalem, or, or, or it was prophesied to Paul that he would go to Jerusalem, and other people were saying, don't go there, because you're going to be crucified. But, but Paul was on his way because Paul was obedient to the Lord. And he actually defended in Hebrew, in Acts 22, his testimony, and there he was rejected, and that started kind of the persecution of, of, of Paul by the Jews in Jerusalem, which then leads to Acts 23.1 with, with Jesus telling Paul that he, he would not perish, but he would be delivered to Rome. Acts 25.11, when, when the Jews want to kill him, Paul, through his citizenship as a Roman, that Paul will deliver the gospel to even more Gentiles than anyone could have imagined. All the way to the end, Paul, in, in 2816, he arrives in Rome around AD 60. He's put under house arrest. He has to pay for his own home. He gets that through gifts and through working. But he, he calls the church to him. He calls the Hellenist Jews to him while he's in house arrest, and he proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ and explains things to those in Rome. And the good news or the bad news, if you were a, a jailer, you had no choice but to listen. If you had to guard Paul, you were going to hear the gospel. If you showed up this morning, I pray that you're going to hear the gospel, that I'll be obedient to his word. Last week, Pastor Chris asked us, are we, you recall that, lives that lead others away from sin or towards it? I don't know if you, re you recall that in, in his message last week, but that's something that I wrote down. And I would present to, to you, brothers and sisters, that, that we're all theists. We're all, we're all theologians. 
if you don't think you're a theologian, you're, you're, you're claiming that you don't think about God, right? And, and so all of us have an opinion of God, but are we living out our thoughts on God? Are we living out our theology? And, and I think that, that's why it struck a nerve and I wrote down those words. And, and so with that, I think I've, I've set the stage and, and we'll get into the text for today. Um, those of you that are, that are able, I would encourage you to stand for the reading of today's text from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. God bless the reading of his word. Lord, let us pray. Lord, open our eyes that we may see your desires. Open our ears to hear your purpose. Open our minds to comprehend your plans. And Lord, soften our hearts to be transformed as your residence. It's in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, Paul's writing to Timothy. And, and this, is, this is approximately two years after Paul's been in Rome. And, and, and he kind of writes this pastoral epistle to his, his son in Christ, to Timothy. But a lot of the words in, in this letter bring me back mentally to where we're at in, in Philippians. And, and so in 2 Timothy 4... Verses 17 and 18, Paul writes, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, see, this letter to the Philippians was because the church, the churches, the homes of, of the followers of the way in Philippi had heard of Paul's imprisonment in Rome. And they had actually sent their third love offering, their third financial gift to him. And it was hand carried. And, and once Paul got that, we, we will find out more about that when Pastor Chris gets into Philippians 2. Paul sent him back. But but they were worried, they were fearful of, of their leader that led them to understanding of Jesus as Lord and Savior. They were fearful that he was, that he was suffering, that he was in agony, that he was, that he was, he was being you know, overburdened and, and ready to die at any time. And, and they just wanted to get a, a love offering there. But, but if, uh, if I could go forward a couple slides, sorry. Yeah, has really served to advance the gospel. It, 
Paul wants them to know whatever perceptions you may have of why I'm in jail, it's a good thing. Paul wants, wants to set them at ease, right? I, I know sometimes when we hear of a family member that we can't physically get there, they're, they're in the hospital or, or they're going through some trial, we want to be there, right? But if they're in Christ, wouldn't it be so comforting to hear from them or hear from an, another loved one who's close to them, to, to, for them to just send you back a phone call or a text or some type of message, it is really for the gospel, What's going on is really for the gospel. So we won't flip back there because I'm going to give some summaries. But, but I think back to, to the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. So Genesis chapter 37, we have Joseph being sold by his brothers, right? Because they're jealous, right? He, he's having these dreams that they're going to be bowing down to him and and, and the wheat's going to bow down to him, and all these things are happening. And he's got this beautiful coat that his father made him of many colors, and, and they're all upset. So what do they do? They're going to kill him, and they're like, wait, hold on. We could turn a little coin if we just sell him to these people coming through. And so he's sold into slavery instead of being killed by his brothers. And in chapter 39, he's in Potiphar's house, right, and, and Potiphar's wife looks at him, and he's a handsome lad, and she's trying to do horrible things, even though she's a married woman, and he's obedient to his God. So, so he runs off, and, and she comes up with a story, and he finds himself in jail, right? So, so here we have Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery, jailed for, for being in the wrong place and being too handsome. And, and then... Then he, he's there and he's interpreting the dreams of the cupbearer and, and the baker, right? And, and he says, now remember me. But do they remember him not so fast? So he, he's still in jail, even though he's interpreting the, gene, the dreams throughout chapters 40 and 41 of Genesis. But ultimately, goes through all these travails and he finds favor with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh puts him in this position and, he, and, and God uses... His relationship through Joseph and Joseph's obedience to ultimately set aside grains and to set aside things. So ultimately when the famine comes, what happens? His brothers come looking for food because there's no food there. And ultimately, he gets to see, you know, his younger brother and his dad. You know, you know, everything is kind of up in the air. There's all this uncertainty, and, and his brothers don't want to do it because they're like, man, my dad's already still mad at me for what happened to my other brother, Joseph, who's dead. And we spent that money. We don't even remember what we spent it on. But, but we can't bring our youngest brother because my dad's already lost his, his other favorite son. But it, 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 it all gets kind of wound up in, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, where Joseph speaks to his brothers and he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Paul's in prison and he's sharing the gospel because even if he would die, Paul would be alive. And if people would understand the resurrection, they live forever. Paul understood 
the eternity that lies before. And Joseph may not have been thinking, and many of us may not think of those verses in Genesis 50, chapter chapter 50, verse 20, that many should be kept alive as they are today. But that was part of God's plan. God shows up when we're not planning for those trials. So, so are we praying for God to be glorified by those that are imprisoned and using those that are unchained? Or, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, in Iran, there was a Christian that was in jail, and everyone was demanding. Tens of thousands of letters were written to, to Iran saying, you, you have to release this Christian pastor from jail. He's, he's, he's not being held legally. You must release him. How many people were praying for God use him in Iran, use him in jail, speak to those people? Because if you look today, there were people that were praying that. Because in Iran, there's, there's upheaval because there are Christians in Iran now. In some of these places that you can't meet together like we're meeting right now, God is growing faster than we are here in South Carolina. In 2019, I went to the the East Coast Men's Bible Conference. Short plug. I'm going to be going again this year in 2023. I believe it's March 8th and 9th, Friday night, Saturday morning. Men, I hope we get a bus full. A few of us went last year. It was a blessing to be surrounded by a few other men. Saturday morning, you'd be home in time, Saturday evening dinner, so you could be here uh, in church on Sunday morning, rested and, and refreshed. But... But in 2019, I took a, a group from, from Virginia down to it, including a young man who's now a church plant up in Red Hook uh, in, in New York in, in a really rough neighborhood. But during that time, there was a, a gentleman uh, who's part of the International Mission Board for more than 30 years that spoke, and, and he talked about how in China prisons, if you're found in China to have part, part, like pages of the Bible, you will go to prison for three years. Three years in prison. And how do the Chinese Christians treat that? Seminary. Because they show up with a couple of pages memorized because that's all they've ever had access to. And they get to spend months, weeks, you know, weeks, however long they can with some other brother or sister that has a few different pages memorized. And they work the hard labor, and all night long, they're just trying to memorize more and more of the gospel, more and more of the Bible. It's seminary. It's it's a three-year study of God's word is how they approach it. So they don't fear going to prison because that's the place they have the most access to the word of God. How different we have it here. And how different Paul looked at it because he looked at his chains and his house arrest in Rome as his pulpit. Everyone who came close to him was exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ. So we advance the gospel. So the uh, who... Who did Paul advance the gospel to? And it's called out the the whole Praetorian Guard or the Imperial Guard and all the rest. Everyone who came around him had the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
He was put in a place to reach a people that others that were part of the way could not. Paul's status as a Roman citizen, his education as a Pharisee among Pharisees of the strictest sect, his communication skills as we saw as he as he sat on Mars Hill and he explained to all these great thinkers their unknown God. But most importantly, the power of the risen Lord uniquely qualified Paul for that time and place to reach any audience. The, uh, as, I, as I was preparing, I also thought of uh, a member that so the, the church we served at uh, in North Carolina that Helen found right before I left for Afghanistan was Enon Chapel Baptist Church. Uh, one of the, the missionary families that, that they sponsor there are Pritt or Pritchard and Dana Adams. Um, they, they manage Rehoboth Ministries in Haiti. Um, and so shortly after I came back from Afghanistan, Pritt was there. They were back on their little uh, respite from serving in Haiti, um, kind of their fundraising tour, visiting their, their sending churches. And he had told how he'd recently, for the third time, been kidnapped and held hostage in Haiti. And so this man who's going with the good news of Jesus Christ to a country that even though we dump a lot of money in, it, it doesn't seem to fully recover um, they deal with a lot of storms and a lot of mismanagement in government. Uh, but Pritt always told his congregation and double enforced it to his wife, never pay the ransom. Never pay the money that they're asking. Because he'd already been bought by the king. And every time God showed up and Pritt would, would witness the people that were holding him, whether it was an individual guard, he would share the gospel with them, he would pray with them, he would engage them in their language, he would find out about them, their family, pray for them, pray for their family. And all three times, either the person that was guarding them, unlocked him, took him out of the cage, brought him down out of the mountains, or, or in one case, the guy who was in charge of the, the little criminal activity actually drove him out of the jungle back into town, and he was tired of hearing the gospel, he just, he didn't want to didn't want to deal with it anymore. Couldn't bring himself to kill him, but he knew he wasn't going to get money, and he knew he was just going to keep hearing how good Jesus was. And he had heard enough, right? Some people don't want to hear it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Lord. But God showed up, and, and so Pritt is still sharing the good news of Jesus Christ all these years later, right? And he's probably been held captive a few more times because um, people haven't figured out that they ain't getting money out of Pritt and, and Rehoboth Ministries. In verse 14, Paul of, of uh, Philippians 1, Paul talks about being confident in the Lord. I'm going to go back briefly to, to 2 Timothy 8, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2, verses 8. To 13, it says, remember, Jesus, this is Timothy, or Paul writing to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David according to my gospel, 
from which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Nick Ripkin, who, uh, who talked about the people in China, he, he talked about when he was speaking to a group of, of seminary students at Southern um, Seminary down there in Dallas, he, he says, we cannot change, quote, we cannot change being sheep among wolves. That's what our culture is, right? That's, Jesus said it to his own disciples in Matthew 10, verse 16. He said, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We're going to be persecuted. We may be persecuted to jail. It may happen here in the United States. It might happen. It's okay. That's what the word tells us. It's okay. Our faith isn't in our government. Whatever happened on election or whatever still might happen as the votes maybe finish up sometime before the next elections come around in, in 24 time in, in my lifetime or in my son's lifetime or in my grandchildren's lifetime where in the United States or the place formerly known as the United States only God knows if he doesn't come before then that they may not be able to gather like this there might not be pews it, it might be literally bringing a mat or grabbing a piece of cardboard to meet in a dark damp basement like they do in China and in Iran where the gospel is thriving Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Jesus let his disciples know about the battlefield. This week is, we had Veterans Day. Jesus sent sheep amongst wolves. We teach our children to sing songs, I'm in the Lord's army. I got to move a little bit quicker now. I see the time. It was kind of faded away, but awesome. Gave me the cue by showing up in the back there. I got, I got some bad news first, and then I'll, I'll finish with three quick questions that I hope you, you could take some notes. Only 5% of professing Christians can say that they've ever intentionally shared the gospel with somebody else. That's bad. 20% of Southern Baptist churches baptized no one last year. Approximately 40% of Southern Baptist churches baptized two or less last year. In the the study that I've been doing on Thursday nights, Greg Laurie, so my thread, are we going to evangelize or are we going to fossilize? 
And so my three quick questions I have for you, and, and I, I won't give all the other references, and then we'll pray. But are we sharing the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he's done in our lives? Jesus gave us the Great Commission, right? That's an order. Advance the gospel is an order. Luke records it in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Pastor Vance Pittman last year said, Jerusalem and Judea, I'm going to send you to the people that hate you. I'm going to send you to the people that want to kill you. They just killed Christ. I'm going to send you back into that crowd. Samaria, I'm going to send you to the people that you don't like. I'm going to send you to the people that you can't stand, that you think are flawed. And then the end of the world, hey, it's a crapshoot. You don't know who you're going to show up and meet. But Christ sends us out. So are we sharing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Next question, are you willing to be persecuted for Christ? 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul talks about we are all persecuted for the gospel. How many of us want to hear the words, follow me, but they don't want to do the part, pick up your cross daily? How many of us, us, want the resurrection without the crucifixion? Persecution comes on believers who have a commitment to radically share that we actually believe Jesus. Don't just believe about him. Don't just believe in him. We believe him because he's told us to do things. And he's teaching us his objective truth. And the last question, how are you going to advance the gospel today? How are you going to advance the gospel this week? It doesn't matter if you're mentally or physically de- detained in your job, in your workplace, in your family, in a, in a relationship, with medical ailments, whatever the situation may be. God is putting people around you that are, they're detained to be your guard. That supervisor at work that kind of rakes your nerves, maybe that's who God's saying, I'm going to keep you there until you share the gospel with them or her. Can we pray as Jesus prayed? Not my will, but yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of of Paul. Though he was detained, he was freer than many of us have ever experienced so far. Lord, as Pastor Jim used to tell me, you could sleep in a garage and you'll never be a car. So just showing up at church isn't good enough. We could spend our work days in a garage, we'll never become a mechanic. We could spend our whole life in a garage and we'll never even necessarily learn how to drive. It takes us being willing to get in the seat, put the key in the ignition, put the vehicle in gear, and just see what you have in our future, Lord. May we be used 
for your glory and honor. It's in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen.